Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So there we were, David. Um, we were going to do a, an internet extravaganza. Um, it was going to be live streaming. It was going to attract possibly upwards of dozens of of people. Um, uh, maybe, maybe a hundred. Whoa, pushing it a bit. But it was going to be huge. I think that's <clears throat> that's undeniable. And it was very much called into existence because of your sudden excitement about getting podcast Pete back involved mm. and touching base with him and talking about Patagonia and, you know, just kind of like reliving the old days, really. Um, so it was a thoroughly exciting moment. I know that Pete was excited. Pete I mean, was I very excited. Was. Very excited. We were going to live stream it. We were going to record a podcast off the back of it. It was going to break the internet. And literally with about half an hour to go, what happened? I was on another call just before that. Um, uh, I was introducing uh, uh, some from Chapter 3 to Stuart Clapp. I don't know if you know Stuart, Stuart Clapp or not. I do know Stuart, yeah. yeah he works so for Rouleur, doesn't he? He does the yeah, he Desire. Did. He was thing. a Desire editor. Oh, he did, yeah. No longer desire anymore. Yeah. He's moved on. Um, but, uh, and then all of a sudden I got a phone call from my wife, uh, who is two and a half kilometers away from my house, and said, David, Archie's down here and he'd like to ride home with you. Okay. Said his so Archie like, being your... My son, my oldest son. Y- your oldest yeah. son. And, and I was like, cool. yeah, and I was like, uh, guys, you know, I got to go. How often does this happen in your life where your son wants to do something like that? So I just yeah, left sure. and I just ran out of the house, jumped on my mountain bike and went racing. And within 250 meters fell off and broke my collarbone. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? Did, how did you fall off? Because so just to rewind the end of the tour, last stage of the Tour de France, I had a legitimate reason. Yeah. to break my shoulder, yeah. right? I rode into essentially an irrigation ditch that led to a 12th century moat, yeah. right? This was this was tangible, and both you and Pete did a good CSI job mm-hmm. of kind of ex- examining the the, mm-hmm. the, the, the the scene of the accident and everything. Um, so I need a bit more detail. You just say, I, I, I fell off my mountain bike and broke my collarbone. That's not enough. What happened? Uh, okay, so a little bit more detail. We live in a, a country house uh, about 17 kilometers outside of Girona. Um, we don't have any tarmac roads around it. It's a gravel no. road uh, immediately when you go out, and it, we're in a valley. So uh, when you go out, you're immediately on gravel and dipping down into a very steep hill with a right-hander than a left-hander. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so here's here's the thing i i got a, a beautiful mountain bike and i i came out and i was in my jeans my t-shirt and here's the saving grace as i ran out i thought you know what? i'm gonna put my helmet on did you only but only because i was going to meet archie because uh, I the, make role model, the role yeah, model yeah. thing. yeah yeah so i actually went and unlocked the house went running back in put my helmet on and then went and then just went fast. And then I'd just been on this call. And you know what? I thought about this lots afterwards, Ned. I thought it wasn't 
a lack of experience or talent. It was just my head wasn't there. I wasn't thinking about it. And I just jumped on the bike and I went around the first right-hander, a steep downhill, and I was like, oh my God, bikes are so fast. <laughs> and then as I was thinking bikes are so fast, I suddenly hit the left-hander and the front wheel disappeared and I slapped down and I came down really hard and I ah. sat there on the floor and I was like, I broke my collarbone. And I, it, was, it all happened that quickly. And, then, and I, yeah, then I got back on and went to school and picked up Archie and came back and... But it whoa, was just... so that's, whoa, 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 whoa. You slapped down. Yeah. You knew you'd broken your collarbone yeah. because you've broken collarbones because yeah. you were a pro for many years and we'll come yeah. on to that. And then, here's the hero bit. Then you got up and rode the rest of it. You picked up Archie. What did you say to Archie? Like, you're covered in crap, presumably, and dust and all that yeah. sort of thing. And like, yeah. Yeah, I, got, I got the so, t-shirt here. And I think, and this is why I, th- I, I find it really important that you had your crash after the Tour de France. <laughs> Because I found it very you, important too. It, it, yeah. no, in the sense that when you got out of that moat and you clambered <laughs> back out and you dragged your bike out and you got up onto the road. No, I couldn't. Uh, I, tried, I tried to drag my bike out, can, but I had a broken yeah. arm, so I couldn't. Yeah. So it just stayed in the moat for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but then you, yeah. there was, I guarantee there's a moment there where you thought, this is really bad, but it doesn't hurt yet. Yeah, and that's very true. And yeah. so you thought, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk around, I'm going to cross this yeah. bridge, and I'm walk across the other bridge, I'm going to speak to security and say, yep. I've, sp- I've broken my, my arm, and yep. can you get me help? That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and because the, our body is designed to give us a 40, 45 minute window to get out that's of it. trouble. That's, that's all it lasted, so that's, 40 to um, 45 minutes. And that's what I had with Archie. I was like, well, I broke my collarbone, wow. I got 40 minutes, I may as well go and get him <laughs> and bring him back. And then I'll tell my wife that I've broken my collarbone and she can take me to hospital. <laughs> and, that, and that's when we got a WhatsApp message yeah. that just read, I've broken my collarbone. <laughs> yeah. We're literally, we're all kind of, we're setting up our little home recording, you know, recording situations. We're about to go live. We're all sort of thinking about, because it's quite an intricate process. Yeah. And then, bing, WhatsApp, I've broken my collarbone. <laughs> And like none of none of us could take it seriously for a while. Pete just it blew his mind. I mean, it completely blew his mind, didn't it? The, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> I just love the and fact then, that we just we just rolled with it. It was like, oh yeah, he's broken his collarbone. Okay, he's broken right. his collarbone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It, it is absolutely brilliant. And and the X-ray um, revealed that you really had. And then you started. Um, what I love is that you knew yeah. that, that you that you'd broken it. Um, yeah. And the X-ray. Wow, that proves it, doesn't it? It was, a, and you actually said as much. You said it's a clean break. It's just oh, snapped. Clean, I mean, it's literally just it's gone. Um, so it properly did. So, and then we got a few more kind of garbled messages from you on the WhatsApp group, <laughs> <laughs> including videos of you getting the big <clears throat> horse tranquilizer injection, which was obviously like a, a, a key moment in your evening. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I was like, please give me something that will ease the pain. So, so, right. So, I mean, the brilliant thing is that um, within, separated by a few weeks, both you and I. It's amazing, isn't it? Ned, I do honestly find that amazing that both of us and uh, these two British cycling connoisseurs, commentators, then I'm laughing at you, Pete's laughing at you. Me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're all laughing at me. The two of yep. us are now sitting here with yep. broken shoulders. It and literally. 
And yeah. I think, you know what? I, and I was thinking about this today when it's hurting a lot again. I was like, this is an amazing, this, you have now got a window into what it's like to be a professional cyclist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, I haven't really, have I? I've just got a much more serious injury than you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but, but uh, you've broken, how many times did you break your collarbone then as a pro? Because uh, uh, you were, you were totting it up. Uh, right. yeah, only two as a pro. So I broke it first when I was four or five in a playground accident at school. Five years old, I think. Ah, and, just getting um, ahead of the curve. Just getting yeah, used yeah. to it for your and later life. So yeah, just, nice. I don't know why. But then my mum didn't believe me. So I had spent three or four days until I was taken to hospital. Um, I did that with one of my kids, actually. Yeah. yeah. It happens. Wife, it happens. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's no, yeah. There's, there's nothing, no, there's no baggage there. That's fine. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> when I was six, I was in Scotland. I still remember at the top of an icy hill and somebody dared me to ride down it on my shitty bike and I crashed and broke my collarbone. And then in Hong Kong, I, on a mountain bike on my own, broke my collarbone, had to ride back 15 k's from the middle of nowhere oh, and country that park. That hurt, right? Riding? Or, or were you within 40 the 45-minute minute, minute, 40 45 minute window? Okay, that's, within okay. the, that's where I started that's learning it. And yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, then I had to wait another 15 years. And then it was uh, Paranese, uh, Rui Costa. Paranese? I think it was Rui, Rui Costa. Rui Costa! <laughs> What do you mean, Rui Costa? Explain. So, <laughs> I love it already, but go on. So we were on, on that final stage. <laughs> it's going to reveal a lot, isn't it? Uh, Rui Costa. <laughs> so we were on the final stage of Paranese where they have that really hilly stage. And uh, Alberto Contador attacked at the, the bottom of one of the coals with three coals to go, three climbs to go. And I was yeah. right at the front and I was like, oh, it's going to go off. This is going to be amazing. And I was still riding GC, I think, at that point. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, this dude just came flying up from the right-hand side <laughs> and just swung across the left and took my front wheel out to the degree where I just high-sided and went down and snapped my shoulder. And, I just, and nothing was happening in the race. And I was just the only person that crashed. And it was Rio Costa that took me out. And I was like, you dickhead. You didn't even need to be racing that hard at the moment. And I was just left there. So good. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, yeah. How come you've never mentioned that before? That's amazing. That's well, I, so, I don't beg grudges. Was, was it back in the lamprey days? Was it lamprey? Yes, like a flash of lamprey. It was like yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was. I things with Rui Costa. You don't really identify him with his team. You always think of just yeah, he's, he's just Rui Costa. Well, he is. Just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what team yeah. he's on. It's just Rui Costa's coming. Here we go. He's going to yeah, flick yeah. you. Yeah, and yeah. it's and he flicked me big time. And uh, so so that's what happened. Then the second time was. Um, as a pro, which would then be my fourth time, one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, was a GPE three, I think, Belgian race Flanders, coming down a steep hill, really gravel. Mm-hmm. People started crashing in front of me, and yeah. I couldn't avoid it. And I thought I was going to get through it, so I didn't break. I thought I was going to get through the gaps of the crash. Mm. And because I hadn't break, I hit it full speed and went flying and was left on a rock. The funniest thing with that one was <laughs> I ended up in like an ambulance with like five people. <laughs> because everyone had fucked themselves up so bad <laughs> and I was just sitting there just disappointed in myself and there's one guy just like literally crying and it was everyone was so sad and I was just sitting there going god I should have braked <laughs> just, we- just weeping weeping like literally weeping and it was just like guys oh. come on man <laughs> yeah so that's it and then i broke it twice afterwards so yeah it's on so it's so but it is quite interesting i was talking to, i was talking to someone about this today like um you broke collarbones as a pro and as a mm. kid and all that you also broke ribs because you were telling yeah. me like you broke a yeah. rib when you had the radio yeah thing you remember we talked that, about that, the the, 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 one, the yeah. radio. um but you weren't a big 
limb breaker, right? You didn't break legs no. and arms and stuff. I was I was really good at um I was really good at crashing, as mad as that sounds. Um, no, like Cav, like Cav. Yeah, like shit. Cav. I could get out of crashes really well. Um, and I guess because of my BMXing, my mountain biking, just because I was always in the edge, I, I, that's why I was really disappointed in myself when Rio Costa took me out because I thought I was going to get through my career without breaking a collarbone, which is unprecedented wow. for a pro cyclist. And well, then Ca- Cavendish, right? Cavendish? Yeah, Cavendish? exactly. I, I don't think. think he's done it. Shoulders. I don't, think he's, done, I don't think he's ever yeah. done a collarbone. Yeah, he rolls. He's, he's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, it's crashing is an amazing thing. I, I, I've always, and I used to, there's this, my favorite ever crash was the 2008 Giro d'Italia stage two in uh, Sicily. And there was a mass pilot with four, uh, probably 10 Ks to go. And the whole mm-hmm. peloton just crashed because it was oil or something on the road, very Sicilian. And, um, and I refused to go down and, and it was on the helicopter and I managed to stay up upright. But in order to stay upright, I ripped my foot out of my shoe and so there was this whole peloton crash around me and I was just standing there and this, wow. and my shoe was somewhere else. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not crashing, dude. And I literally ripped my foot out of my shoe not to crash. So yeah, that's what generally what I've done. So I feel pretty embarrassed. I break my collarbone 250 meters from my house, but it is what it is. I get older. Yeah. It's amazing. Though. It's amazing. I enjoyed. Yeah. I enjoyed. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say I enjoyed your crash. I, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it at the I time. I enjoyed your I've crash. Really, I loved your yeah, crash. Yeah, that's very. That's very true. Oh, do you know what? I keep getting PTSD. Oh God, I bet you do. Yeah. I, oh, because yeah. oh, yeah. uh, I literally. I mean, I was airborne in the Is dark. It, was it the first time for, you've ever had something like that happen? Well, I crashed. I landed myself in hospital in 2003 after I came. After I came back from my first covering my first Tour de France, um, I bought a bike, David, and um, it was a racing bike with drop handlebars. <laughs> and I started to race my bike up and down London streets uh, with a with a helmet, thank God. And um, I I crashed there, and I, I ended up in hospital, and I'd got severe concussion, Oof. smacked my helmet to bits. A pedestrian nasty. had stepped over, but I can't remember anything about it because I was mm. concussed. I mean, I, I primarily, mm. nothing was injured except for my head, which took all the brunt of... I flew yeah. into one of those little boxes by the side of the road that contain all the bits and pieces, all the telephone exchange wires and everything. Oh, I flew God. head first into one of them and I had no abrasions on my hands at all. In other words, oh, you just, I, just, <laughs> I just went, <laughs> yes, exactly, my head just did face planted. Yeah. So I can't remember a thing. I mean, I can't remember yeah. a thing about that. Oh, um, best thing. So that's okay. So yeah, what, no what PTSD. Yeah. However, Leeds Castle, remember it. I can remember everything. I can remember the moment I clocked the fact that I'd gone the wrong side of the bridge and I wasn't going towards a bridge any longer. Mm. And I was literally going to any second now go over the edge of the an, into an eight foot drop. And then I remember the eight foot drop. And then I remember the impact at the bottom of the eight foot drop and how my arm compressed and crushed my humerus. Oh, it was a horrible I can remember, crash. I can remember everything yeah. about it. It was really... Can you, can you re- I much prefer to have... Can you remember what you were thinking when it, when it went off? Yeah, just... Actually, you got, I think those flash thoughts... Maybe this is kind of reinterpreting through mm. the repeated PTSD. But actually... It's a bit like it's a bit like people say about you know it's kind of like the moment at which you pass into you know you die yeah, yeah. that your thoughts go very deep in a very short space of time. <laughs> I think my thoughts went very deep, very fast, mm. and actually there's a whole bunch of different stuff. Like one, 
this is going to really hurt. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really going to hurt. Yeah. Two, it's extremely serious. Mm-hmm. Three, um, it's really stupid. Yeah. Four, the consequences of this are going to be quite long-lasting. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. this is going to have this is going to have a long-lasting impact potentially on my economic health, my yeah. financial health, and the, the the my families. You know, mm-hmm. this is all those things. Honestly, in yeah. the kind of and all I could find to articulate that was the word no, which I shouted in capital letters uh, into the night air in Kent. Isn't know, it? Isn't it? Amazing. But isn't it? And, and that's, I guess, that, that was the answer I was hoping you'd say, because isn't it amazing how we can change our, our sense of time in those moments? It's all of a sudden, everything happens at once. And I think most of, our, most of our listeners ride bikes and have had crashes and they've had exactly Absolutely. the same thing they'll know exactly what we're talking about yeah. everything yeah. slows down everything slows down and you're forced to just and it which goes to show you do you do control time and your spatial awareness and we're designed our, our prime our prime audible sense is to make sure that we get out hence the 40 minute window it's <laughs> you're going to have that moment that that spatial crisis for about a second two seconds three seconds you're going to have that huge impact. You're going to know you're broken. And then you're designed to get the fuck out of there yeah. for 40 minutes. You've got 40 yeah. minutes to get to the cave, to get to yeah. safety, to where you're going to lie down and the village is going to look after you. Otherwise, yeah. then that's how we exist. It's Bang, an smash, thing. crush, crush your humerus. <laughs> Bang, oh, quick. Oh, I'm soaking wet. Right now, grab the bike. Get up this steep bank. Oh, can't do that. Oh, oh, oh that hurts. Drop the bike. Can I scrabble up? Grab onto bits of grass. Pondweed in the hair. Walking across a moat now. People are staring at me. Into the into the hotel foyer. Hello. I'm really broken now and you need to make a phone call. <laughs> Crashing. Anyway, that's enough of that. Listen, what have you been up to post, um, post-crash? Uh, what's, what's going on in your life, mate? Uh, me, me, it's, um, I guess, uh, I mean, it's uh, three kids and... Yeah. Nicole, so it's all just it's always flat out in a great way, and then with yep. chapter three, uh, chapter three has been going through this big transition. Chapter three is my company and brand, and we're we're trying to change it. The first five years of being something, and I've learned five so years. much. Five wow. years, isn't it amazing, Ned? Actually, it's, yeah. doing, it's actually six years uh, mm. if we do the calendar years, um, but it's it's nuts, and I've learned so much, and. Now getting to that point from when 2021, I want Chapter 3 to become uh, a very different cycling brand, one that's multi-cycling multi, uh, discipline, uh, male, female, uh, androgynous to a certain degree. And also, we're not snobs about whether you're road, mountain bike, commuting. It's just bikes, and mm. we make <clears> the apparel, apparel to do that, and we create the advertising inspiration that kind of would hopefully inspire you to want to own our products and so chapter three is and it's taken me a lot of uh, a lot of time to get to this point where i think god this i'm really looking forward to this now because this is going to be another five ten fifteen years of challenging so yeah that's why i'm doing with chapter three yeah super super inclusive yeah super inclusive yeah. i really yeah. want inclus- inclusivity because i've been brought up by women and i also know that there's no such thing as he she there's i've got loads of gay friends it's uh, i've i just think why do we get into i look at the burger menus on on websites as men women and you think well why don't we just remove that and it's just products and it's just what their purpose is and what they're designed for and 
Uh, I'm not being super left or liberal. I just think we can simplify this and make Chapter 3 a very much an inclusive brand. So that's where I'm going with that. You've also been growing a tremendous moustache. Huge. I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether you might want to post a picture of this on the show notes or anything, but it is. I mean, I'm looking at it now and it's properly kind of Tom Selleck. You're right in the... I mean, you are... You're what are you? You're like a kind of slightly wizened 1980s, uh, possibly Denver, Colorado kind yeah. of. Uh, it's a little bit redneck. Cop. Redneck, I think. Yeah, is what you're you are for. a bit. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you're a little bit because you're wearing a bit of plaid, plaid, yeah. plaid, 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 yeah. plaid. Um, you could be, you could be chopping lumber in yeah. a flyover, yeah. flyaway stuff. What do they call yeah. flyover stage or something like that? So yeah, something that's like you've that. been obviously yeah. working hard on that. Yeah, and what about you? Because I, I know that with you, it's, Mate. I've been I've been watching you throughout this year. We do the commentary. You're always noting down. You're always recruiting people, and it's all for the for what is the the road the book. roadbook. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's an ongoing year long project. And funnily enough, actually, you know, because it's suddenly been printed and it's arriving in people's houses, and it's kind of super exciting at this time of year. Um, and it is actually weirdly it's the quietest it's the quietest time for us because it's our downtime you know we mm. it went to the printers a few weeks ago came back from the printers super fast and this is one of the lovely things about it actually because because of when the cycling season ends and it was even later this year um it forces us to be you're talking about chapter 3 being kind of mm. inclusive and ethical mm-hmm. it forces us to be us to be a bit more um considered about the way we kind of go about our business so we printed in the uk you know nice because uh because so we have control we know who the printers are and they're mm-hmm. wonderful and all that sort of thing so it's not coming on a ship from the far east yeah um which a lot of similar products would do mm. um so anyway whatever um it's uh it's yeah it's great and i've also so so what i'm saying is actually it's been quiet on the road but can, can you can you can uh, you also just because i think although all our listeners we always take for granted we're the least commercial people in the world you we're just me. not very yeah we're not very good at it are we not we're kind of we're, we're, no. we're crazy but can you explain yeah. a, a bit to our listeners what the road book is well i hopefully i think people will probably know it is i mean it's you know it's kind of it's a documentation of everything that happened in the world of road racing in an entire calendar i mean that's that's it so first and foremost it will tell you stuff that you won't know um so all the races that matter are there and even some that don't are there um in infinite detail plus it augments that with a kind of collection of top writing and i like i'm the editor i get to choose who writes and what they write and i want to go outside what you might expect so in the past we've published poetry and mm. um bits and pieces like that so um it's it's yeah it's kind of uh, i'm gonna uh, I, I'm, year, I'm gonna i'm gonna help go you i'm gonna help you because right. uh, because it's um we're both lovers lovers of books it's a it's always the same color it's red spined it's hardback you open it up and you have the whole calendar year of racing within it yeah. from the very first race of the year to the end of the year and it's got within it not just the results from the races but also anecdotes within them and then as you said subtext of poetry uh, you've got brilliant graphics within it it is literally the almanac i, I always get the word wrong what we, we've talked almanac almanac almanac, almanac. yeah it's the almanac of every single since 2018 uh, it's the it sport 
it's, it's, it's road ra- it's road racing it's yeah. it's like it's taking i like to think of it as taking you know how um uh so burgundy wines yeah um are unlike board i think i've got this right you might correct me if i've got it wrong yeah. burgundy wines are made by a negotiant who yeah. takes the grapes from different vineyards yes. and blends them right mm-hmm. I, don't I think know that's this right. And Bordeaux, yeah. and Bordeaux wines, I think I'm right in saying, tend to be from one estate, and um, and often and it can be kind of like one grape variety or something. Yeah. But at Bur- Burgundy, um, where am I going with this? Oh yeah, I don't know. There's this wine. This no, wine I love so, this, this commerciality. No, no, best. Burgundy. <laughs> Burgundy. So Burgundy is a, is a blend um, that uh, basically. So what I think of the roadbook as is uh, we're the négociant. And yeah. we've taken the races of 2020, stuffed them in a bottle, mm. and we, that bottle has a red hardback spine, right? Mm. And and then we and this is the great thing about it because if we're three years old now. You're talking about chapter three being yeah. five years old. You, we stick them in the cellar, and I promise you, I can see it behind you on the Zoom call mm. now. If you were to pick up the 2018 roadbook and look at it, you'd go, "Blimey, I'd." Forget gone about that yeah, and it's yeah. better than i remember yeah. it because we love we yeah. love nostalgia don't yeah. we and the the, the further yeah. away it gets the better it feels you know is so. there's a, there's a double-edged thing with the road book is that kind of sense you pick it up and it's uh i and this is very british is the greatest you've got two elements to it it's that afternoon sneaky nap where you can just pick a book up and dip in or yep. the ultimate loo book and it's like, wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Well, it's not a book you're going to read, is it? For no, sake? it's a you book dip you, in and out. Uh, you, you yeah. and then you just gaze at fondly in your yeah. shelf because yeah. that's it's pride. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing that we need to say. I need to say to um, Never Strays Far listeners. Um, and uh, there's a special thing that is only applicable to you because you've come this far with us, us and our podcast today that if you order the first edition 2020 copy before the 18th of December, so you've got a little bit of time, uh, 10 customers will be chosen at random to receive as well our road exercise book, which is a sticker book. Um, and you, you, need to, you need to use the code STICKER, capital letters, STICKER20, when you check out. STICKER20. And the road um, exercise book is absolutely brilliant. I love it. It's just like a little school exercise book that's blank, so you can fill in, in with whatever you want. It's got loads of tables and charts and things, and it's got a, a bunch of stickers in the middle and a map of Europe. And you can... The stickers all relate to little climbs and little... Be- the sort of like La Planche des Belles Filles, Mont Ventoux, all that sort of thing. You can take the stickers off and apply them onto the map of Europe <laughs> if you've done them or been I there love even. stickers. So it's a sticker book. So there's this lovely little thing that we're kind of throwing in as well. So um, hopefully that made sense anyway. Yeah. So there. But also, David, I've been... I've finished another book. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the football the book. This has been your... Um your magnum opus, because... It, no, kind of. A little bit, well, you don't say, you don't admit it. But uh, for, again, for people that don't know, it's Ned's first book about uh, professional cycling was um, about the yellow jersey, the yellow jumper. The yellow jumper, and David. The yellow jumper, the yellow jumper. And that was brought on from a, an interview Ned did with, with me in 2003. And that's because he just moved from football to cycling and didn't really know. Yeah. So actually, your your heritage is football, and Completely. although although you become the doyen of of cycling journalism, actually your heritage to a certain degree is football, and I love that because nobody in cycling has that because it's, well, it's it's really what's interesting. Unu- I suppose what's unusual is that football is 
the big beast, right? It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's like the Tour de France is to every other race in the calendar. Yeah. Football is to every other sport in the world, right? Yeah. It just eclipses them uh, by yeah. the, to the power of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, I suppose what's unusual about me is that I um, was involved in it for 20 years in TV. 20 years, quite a long time. It's a long time. And, <laughs> and, and, it's a long and, time. Um, and uh, it took me by very sort of un, un, unusual ways. It took me to, I suppose, in terms of my profession, it took me to, or it gave me access to the biggest events in the world. I was at World Cup finals and Champions League finals and doing the interviews with all the players that mattered over a period of sort of 20 years. And I suppose what's it, I suppose what's unusual is that most of my peers and colleagues who I worked alongside and who who kind of did similar things um, are still there Mm. and never left football because why would you? You You're kind of like, you know... It's A-list. It's A-list. You're you're at the centre of the solar system. Whereas cycling so deeply fascinated me from the moment I was introduced to it that I was actually always um, looking for a way of augmenting what I did in cycling and diminishing what I did in football mm. and so this is a story about this is a story about actually not so much about football but it's about me my family background to a certain yeah. extent and and how I kind of um both fell in love with football and then by dint of being kind of exposed to it fell out of love with it but it's been it's been kind of tricky to write and it's been going on a long time actually um and we've discussed this, Ned, in the sense that, um, and you were surprised that I'd read a book um, called Fever Pitch. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. Nick Hornby's book. Yeah. yeah, Nick Hornby's book, because what I've learned, and I see it now with my um, my boys, they they don't play football at school, yet now every morning they get up and they kick the football around outside. There's no football culture, but it's just there. And, yep. and I was also thinking... What the biggest thing with football is, is that sense of um, culture. It's men getting time away from the family to go and do something. Yeah. And yeah. to go and on the weekends just get out and away from their work life Monday to Friday, go out there. But you create this culture, which then becomes its own thing. And it's, I to this day, and this is what I, I get crit- critiqued at a little bit because I. Criticised. Think- Criticise, criticise a lot for. Thanks, Ned. Is um, <laughs> uh, criticised a lot for is. I think footballers are the most amazing athletes. I completely agree with you. I think they are phenomenal. Athletes. So they're a bit like boxers. I think they're like yeah. boxers. So yeah. you know, you, you have to have everything as a boxer. Yeah. You have to have bravery. You have to have endurance, and you have to have explosive strength. Yeah. And I think I think footballers have all of that. Plus, they know what to do when a ball falls at their feet out yeah. of the night sky, yeah. and they've got some you know they've got some thirteen stone defender bearing down on them. Yeah. You know, it's an inc- anyway. Whatever. I've written this. Fo- I've written this football book, which is um, going to come what's, out next year at some point. What's the title? You got a title? Ah, well, so that's interesting. I wanted to ask you about that. So I have suggested a title to the publishers. Yeah. Now, whether this gets over the line or not, I doubt because it's my sixth book that I've written. And not one of my titles has ever been accepted. But my my title, my title so far that I'm going with, Square Peg Round Ball. Oh, nice. Football, TV and me. 
football, TV, TV and me. And me. I so love that. Square peg, ramble. I think it's all right. And I think I've got half a chance of getting it across the line. Um, I can't remember so, the Yellow Jumper book. I never suggested that title, but it kind of worked. I think football, TV and me works. I think so, yeah. Square yeah. peg, round ball. Yeah, that's good as well. Well, yeah, yeah. So because basically, anyway, whatever. Yeah. So, and um, the other thing I've been doing is, um, is at this this film, this um, film from the nineteen twenties of a. Oh this yeah, this is this mad. So, so, of a get, film. so give a bit of background on that one. Well, I'm going to sh- do the share screen thing with you. Yeah. Right? Can you see that? Oh yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Come here, Brittany. I'm going to scroll, scroll. Oh, over. look at this. Yeah. So these are all the still images you got. And then you've no, had no. the... No, no, no. This is a, this is a 35 millimeter nitrate film. Original Pathé film from the 1920s. Holy which cow. I've bought at auction. Oh, my God. And as far as I can make out, has ceased to exist anywhere. There's no trace of this. I think I've got the only copy in the world. Oh my god! You got the first ever footage of gravel racing. So, <laughs> so I'm just whizzing through it for you, David. Yeah. Here, and, it's it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean and, you can. And, yeah, you that's you the can, extent of it. It's two minutes long. Well, I can tell you for obviously our listeners won't be able to see it, but it's there are a lot of people at the side of the roads. There isn't tarmac. There, no. All, oh no, they look yeah. very cool. And so, actually, that 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 one moment which caught my attention was that head-on camera looking back at them. And they Incredible. were having fun. They were totally laughing. Having fun, you know. They were totally and I was laughing. like, "Ah, oh, that's." And I thought, "Yeah, that's amazing. That's having really fun cool. in as much as you can do on stage four of well, the Tour de France, where where you're faced with." So they started that stage at two o'clock in the morning, mm. and they finished it at six thirty in the evening. Yeah, it was four hundred and twelve kilometers oh. long, and and. And that matches the first three stages of the tour. And, you know, by the way, a couple of days later, they were in the Pyrenees. It's an amazing, it's an amazing yeah. thing. And I don't, I can't, I'm kind of... What, what, so, yeah, so... So what am why, I going to do? Why, no, also, why are you so touched by it? Oh, well, I mean, so I, I bought it at an auction. I've never won anything at an auction. I'm terrible <laughs> at eBay, all that sort of thing. But it was, it was an auction where... Again, it comes back to the thing we were talking about, the football book, where everything else was related to rugby and football mm. and cricket. Yeah. And there was this one item that had been flagged to my attention by <laughs> a, a random associate. He said, hey, you, you want to have a look at this? And it was one item, and it was this roll of film from the Tour de France. And I thought, I might as well just bid for it. Why not? So I, what, what's that worth? Who knows? And the, the, ve- the description was really vague. So I bid 100 quid, mm. and I won it. Oh, my God. Yeah. A few days later, it arrives in the post, and I'm unfolding it like this, and I'm going, "Oh, this is um, this is literally amazing." Yeah. And then I'm researching, and this is a long story, but I'm researching ways of right. Okay, now I need to protect it. I need to digitize it. I need to get this. I need to see it moving. Yeah. That was a mission because it's in a terrible state, and nitrate film is highly explosive and combu- yeah. combustible. It's incredibly dangerous stuff. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. I just stuffed it in an envelope and sent yeah. it to a facilities house in Yorkshire. Anyway, good luck. It's, it's now, yeah. So, but anyway, it's been rescued and it's been digital and it's you know preserved now but for posterity. And then I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, I don't think anyone's seen this potentially yeah. for ninety years. Yeah, it's amazing. And 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 are, there are there were real people in this who have real life descendants. There are real places that have changed. Mm. And so 
I, I, I'm self-embargoing because I don't want to say too much, but I, I think there's something that I'm, mm. I've just, honestly, David, I've disappeared down absolute wormholes of research you, on this. Could you create a book about around that, those snippets of imagery? I would love to. I would love to think so. I mean, it's, mm. it, it's incredibly rich. It's incredibly yeah. rich and it's incredibly beautiful. Um, mm. So that the little bit that I posted on, on, on the first sort of 20 seconds I've posted on Twitter. Yeah of them leaving a checkpoint at Lorient um mm. there's this wonderful moment and if you <clears throat> listening to this and you, you you follow me on twitter and go back to my twitter feed have a look at it again what i find so touching is i think she may be the the the, the lady who owns the cafe on the corner of what mm. i've now established is the um rue de brest and the rue de verdun in Lorient all of which have been completely destroyed. They were flattened in the war in 1943. But in that cafe, I think it might well be the lady who owns the cafe. Just as they're leaving, she steps out and she just puts her arms in the door frames of the, of the, of the, mm. the, the door and stretches. So it's a lovely languid mm. gesture of yeah. casual. And she just looks. And behind her, there are the, the, her waitresses in full Breton headgear. Yeah. You know, like white, yeah. white head headgear and all that, and black um, tops and, and skirts, bustling to get out and kind of like eager to see the yeah. riders who were yeah. superstars. You yeah. know, um, there is, however, yeah. I've suddenly discovered just today, and I really can't say what it is, but there's a real confusion about that bit of footage, and I'm just going to keep a lid on what it is because <laughs> I'm still investigating it. But it is deeply fascinating david so that's what i'm kind it. of involved in now yeah oh, there you go yeah love that there you go yeah, yeah. i love that because you know I, and i think just you know, be very brief on that is with if you capture something like that it's almost there's a moment of time that still exists mm. you've recreated it Completely. it's it's kind of because there's so many moments that just disappear that nobody and especially back in that time it's all of a sudden it's there again and that woman with that languid kind of it's she exists again. and again in that same clip yeah. just as she mm. just as she comes out of the doorway you'll see one of the riders pulling away from the a checkpoint at Lorient and he spots the cameraman from Pathé there mm. and he waves at him and uh -huh. I showed that little clip to uh, Matt Rendell yeah and Matt just Matt just um uh, messaged me back saying look at him waving across 90 years yeah, it's, it's absolutely lovely. It's so, true. yeah. So there we go. So that's what that's what um, that's what's floating my boat. So listen, um, are we go just to wrap things up, David? Are we going to get pretty podcast Pete and Rendell back in? in, in yeah. What are we going to do with all that? I think we should. We need to get um, that kind of ITV reunion, do a vodcast podcast, and get the four of us together, and we can go back more into. I think we do it sooner than later to with them do a review of the year and maybe although, release it on maybe release it on or maybe do it on january the first i mean january the first yeah. is a terrible day isn't it it's just that day let's face it. yeah let's just let's do a review of the year with pretty pete and the rendalero you and okay. me and because i and do it really well because i think we even intended oh. to slightly do that this year <laughs> yeah, this year this in this podcast and we just went off on our, our usual we strayed far so yeah oh yeah yeah if um if anybody's up for that we're gonna do so it we haven't, and we haven't actually talked about cycling at all have we really no we haven't no sorry so let's save that yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry anyway. listeners Sorry. Um, yeah. Glad to know you're on the mend. Yeah, yeah thanks. It hurts. It's, we're good. So, how, glad to, how's, how's yours, by the way? 
You want to see the scarf? Yeah. Holy shit. Thank you. Oh, wow. That's a real scar. Thank you. Yeah. And is it still hurt? Can you can you move no, it? I'm a, le- I'm a legend, mate. Yeah, I can I can just I can get it right up to there. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Not it's not John yeah, McCain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. All right, see you later, Ned. Nice to talk to you. Right, see see you soon. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 